Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Angle on Producers. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This is a show where I spotlight producer from all walks of life to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do what they do. This week, I am absolutely delighted and honored to share my chat with producer extraordinaire Molly Asher. She prides herself in being the kind of producer who takes on bold and sometimes risky projects. And we're lucky to be catching her at a time when one of those risks have paid off in a really big way. Nomadland, her third collaboration with writer-director Chloe Zhao, was the big winner at this year's Academy Awards. The film took home Oscars for Best Picture, Best Actress for Frances McDormand, and Best Director for Chloe, the first woman of color to win the award. Can I get an amen? Ugh, yes. Her producing credits are vast, so I won't rattle them off here, but some highlights include Carlo Mirabella Davis's Swallow and Chloe Zhao's The Writer, which premiered in the 2017 Cannes Directors Fortnight and won its top prize. It went on to be nominated for four Independent Spirit Awards, including Best Picture, and won Best Feature at the 2018 Gotham Awards. Molly is also a co-founder of the production company The Population, alongside Derek Wynn and Manette Louie, another badass producer who you may recall was on the show not too long ago. So this week, we dive deep into what it means to be bold, how she circumvents the word no, and the beginnings of her longtime collaboration with Academy Award-winning director, Chloe Zhao. (laughs) So let's tune in and hear from Molly. I don't know if I would have changed my decision. I just think I would have tried my hand at maybe other opportunities early on in my career, personally. I don't know if you feel the same, but like, I would have maybe gone and done the assistant thing just for like six months just to have that instead of just being deep in the mm-hmm. trenches of production from day one. Um, but aside from that, I don't think there's anything else that would have changed if I could have had that insight. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting because yeah. I, I, I did the same kind of route too of going right, right into production. And, um, and I always wonder, you know, how much I would have learned on more of like the business side, I guess, of things yeah. if I had been an assistant or, you know, worked in as a like development executive or something like that. Yeah. I, I do think one of the things that through this podcast actually it's been really interesting is that now that I'm in, you know, ten years into this this uh this path that I've chosen, people who did go the other side often tell me, Oh, I wish I had done what you did because <laughs> right. you know, so it's like the grass is always greener. But it's a good point because they say you can once you get to a certain level in physical production, you can jump over to the executive side potentially, right, and make those connections. But for someone who went up the development side, for them to understand what we do, they kind of have to start as a PA, really, to understand it from the ground mm-hmm. floor, and they're not going to do that. So there's a an exper- part of the experience they're never really going to have, and a, a deep understanding of the production process they'll never really understand. I don't blame yeah, them. If you've invested true. a decade, you're not going to go make minimum wage to <laughs> you have to be really, really <laughs> passionate about production. Yeah. So much incredible things are happening for you and for Nomadland right now. And I want to just take take it back to the beginning of how how you discovered this business and at what point you found that producing was a thing that one could do for money. <laughs> Some money, mm-hmm. not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I, I started out as an actor, so mm-hmm. um, I went to NYU undergrad for musical theater, actually. 
as a child, I was a, a singer and a dancer and always wanted to be on Broadway. So I went to school for musical theater and discovered that I didn't really like musical theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. I found that I liked the, the, the straight acting. So I went that direction. And then I did that for a bit once I graduated. But I think mainly I was a waitress and I, you know, I would set up auditions and not actually go or when I did, I never felt comfortable. I always felt like I was just constantly trying to please, you know, both as a, as a waiter and then, and then, you know, auditioning for things. I never really felt like there were the right roles for me or I felt kind of um, maybe typecast in a way. So um, at some point, uh, me and a couple theater friends decided to make a, a short film. And um, and that's when I realized, oh wow, I really like the whole putting together of everything, you know, the, all the all the behind the scenes stuff. And I was, um, it was a little bit later in my life, and so I thought, you know, I can't start from from being a from being a PA and move up in that in that way. So a friend of mine was at um, graduate film school, and she suggested, why don't you apply for film school? And so. Um, I did. Uh, I did not think I was going to get in because I didn't have any experience in film. Yeah. Um, but um, but I did. And 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 then going to NYU, I, I went back to NYU for their film. Um, <laughs> couldn't stop giving them all my money. Um, <laughs> I I really I discovered that that filmmaking that I truly loved it. And and I think I that you know I could, it's something I could just you know even when I was like editing you know because we we learned everything I could just sit and edit for like. 24 hours and still and still love it you know and I was yeah. like, okay, this is what it's like to really really love something yeah at what point like when you got into film did you understand then that like this is the producer role and then that's what they do within a team and like what made you lean into that versus for example directing right where you still get to put it all together in a way obviously we know it's different now but at that time how were you able to discern that um I think that I like was naturally inclined to produce because there's a part of me that's always like, you know, I like to encourage people and I, and I don't like when I hear the word no. And so I like to, if I hear somebody say, well, oh, I can't do that. I want to be like, yes, you can. And I'll show you <laughs> how we can make, make sure that this yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that kind of like tenacity type of part of me um, lent me toward, toward being a producer. And I also just like, you know, I, would get so inspired by my classmates and um, and want to help them create their their what they their visions, you know, what they have in their minds. And so then you go to film school, you graduate. Then what happens? So I went directly into producing features, and um, I was able to do this because I continued to get student loans. Wait, like, like you years after you have, there's a, there's a thesis period after you have mm. your coursework at NYU. Um, that, that thesis period is much shorter right now, but when I was there, um, it was two years, but I extended it, I think like two more years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I honestly don't think I could have jumped in and started making features if I didn't have those loans because, you know, with the first features you're, 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 you're not making anything. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just jumped right into. And how did you come across these features? Were these uh, fellow students you had met while at NYU that you were making their projects? Yeah, it was my classmates. Yeah. And so were you kind of just taking what not whatever came your way, but sort of like using that as the main pipeline at the time? Or were you did you have any inkling of like, well, no, I've, I've been already on the other side of film school. Like, I think these are the kinds of stories I would prefer to tell. Or were you just like, here's an opportunity. I'm just going to lean in. Um, they were specific choices to work on those projects. Um, and they were, you know, in many ways based on the filmmaker um, and and just people who I thought just had a really interesting point of view and um, way of seeing the world. So there were definitely, there were projects that came my way that, that I didn't feel were right for me. Um, so, but, I, but it was all um, classmates that I had either worked with like produced their shorts or had um been around them as they were working so i also knew i also knew kind of like how they worked yeah i think it's an important note a lot of people who listen to the show are sort of at the beginning of their journey in in our business and we we often say like look around the people that are next to you right now are probably the people that are going to be part of your immediate network as you're coming up and i and i think that's such an example of that um of the, the relationships you create, these bonds early on that they can grow to become these really wonderful uh, creative collaborations. But so at that time, what was it about certain filmmakers that you gravitated to? Um, a boldness, like a, a, a riskiness in their voices, uh, you know, a fearlessness. I mean, obviously, that's it still seems to be very much the case today. When you look back on your career with some of the people that you've aligned yourself with, it seems like you don't shy away from sort of going off the beaten path, you know what I mean, and doing things in a very non-traditional way that I think we learn in the business once you're in it long enough. And you said this in one of your interviews, it's like, once you do the thing that you want to do in your own way, Hollywood comes calling and goes, wow, this is great. But no one's going to give you permission to do the thing in that way because there's a system that's built. And if you don't fit in that system, um, it's going to be really hard to play ball with with these guys. And it's such a, I think, a interesting planting of the seed at that time for where you are today. Yeah. Your first feature in the longevity you had to have for for like having the stamina for a feature versus maybe some of these shorter projects at school. What was that time like for you? Well, yeah, I mean, there's the whole part of it of like having to raise the money. Um, and then there's the whole part of it of trying to get it out there into the world. Like the, pr- the pre-production and the production I kind of saw it as like, I'm making like four or five shorts all this, you know, right after one another. Um, But, but the whole process of raising money financing was, was new to me. And it's taken me a really long time to establish um, relationships with financiers. You know, when I was first coming out of school, I had no connections um, to rich people or to production companies with financing. So um, my first few projects were a lot of crowdfunding grants um, and, uh, and, and going through different programs like IFP or now the Gotham, their, mm-hmm. their, uh, market week, um, film independent has their fast track program. So I started doing those things in order to get to know the players in, in the field, you know, yeah. that, that could help me actually make, make the film. Um, however, that was, you know, even then, you know, like I think about like songs, my brothers taught me Chloe's first film. Yeah. Thank God we we had so many grants because financiers just door closing after door closing after door closing. I'll never forget like one of the pitches. It was at Fast Track to this company and 
they were we we pitched the film and showed pictures of, of Pine Ridge Reservation, beautiful, and 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 uh, some some video clips that Chloe had taken, and then they were just completely silent and had like nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know, basically I think what they were thinking, because then what other people would say to us is, well, there's no real audience for this, you know, mm-hmm. a film with non-actors on a on a reservation, um, and so so we had to figure out how to. Um, make the film with very, very little means. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of what, um, in a way, that's, I think, what what uh, was part of how Chloe and her DP, Josh, created their their style, came out of necessity in, in many ways. Yeah. And, um, and for myself, you know, it was just very eye-opening as to uh, what the, the industry deems commercial. Right, right. I think it's interesting you bring that specific example up because in doing my research, I found a video where you won the Cinema Unbound Award recently and Chloe presented the award and she actually talks about that very thing from her perspective, right? When she found out that she, you guys had lost the financing again for this project. And she says it was one of the darkest days of her of her career. But then she called you and she said, hey, we have this amount of money. What do we do? And your response it was you were excited and you said, we're going to make this movie. We're going to figure it out. And she says that your enthusiasm is what instilled, you know, that, that faith again in her for her to continue marching forward. It's the mark of a great producer. You know, it's, it's let's go, let's find a way, let's push through. There's always, there's always a yes somewhere, you know, and, um, and I, I, I just love that you've built this really long working relationship with her. And this isn't a, a just a passion project that you had that now has gotten to this level of success with Nomadland. Like it's, this is a relationship you've built over a decade um, with this person and you can really feel that. And so many people come to me and go, I just need a producer. I just got to find a producer. There's a bit of a desperation in that. And I, I always caution people to be so careful because you don't just need a producer. You need the right producer. It's a marriage. It's, it's very much a long haul with just one project. I, I, you know, don't know if what could have changed in that moment had you been like, well, you know, you're right. Let's wait. Like, let's be practical about this instead of just saying balls to the walls. Let's just go. Um, that boldness that I think you seek in your filmmakers, you have yourself as a producer. I never thought about it like that. Thank you. It's, it's a boldness that it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's got a um, thing, you know, if we knew how hard it was on the other side, we probably wouldn't have done it. Like that ignorance is bliss. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that that makes for the best creative collaborations. Okay. So you make your first film. Um, you obviously use a lot of support to do that through these programs that you mentioned, which I'll link to because they're wonderful programs, many of them still around today for people who are getting in and trying to understand how the heck any of this gets put together. At what point did you get to this next tier of your career if there is such a thing where you felt like, okay, I've gotten these kinds of projects with this kind of budget level under my belt and I'm ready for this next challenge? There was a there was a point where I was it was only a few years ago when I was um, developing Swallow uh, with Carlo Mirabella Davis and um, a project came along to me uh, a one million dollar project for me to line produce and I had never just fully line produced anything I because my projects were so small as the producer I was also line producing um, and I also had never done that budget level and so you know. 
I was, I, at first I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because what if I get swallow off the ground? And I remember actually talking to Chloe and Chloe being like, you just have to make movies, Molly, just keep making movies. <laughs> so I did do that project. And, um, and so that was a really great, that was really great that I was just focusing on line producing and not having to also be, be any, doing any um, creative. So I could really focus on where the money, go, where, where to put the money for a million dollar film. So that was the, that was the first level up. And then, um, and then from there, uh, I started doing projects more in, in that range. Um, but all during that time, you know, I was no longer getting student loans. So I was also trying to make a living. Yeah. Um, and, and actually the line producing job was the, like the first time I really got like paid for, for <laughs> a job. Um, but other than that, you know, I was doing a lot of like uh, producing like industrials and things like that. Mm -hmm. I never quite got my foot in the door with, with producing commercials. Um, but, but, you know, I started bookkeeping actually, because I had to teach myself how to use QuickBooks for my projects. And so then I was like, okay, well, this is a skill now that I can use. And I can, <laughs> I can bookkeep from wherever I, you know, I can be in, in Alaska and I could be bookkeeping, you know, yeah. in the, of the night. And so, so it was a, it was a good, uh, flexible kind of Thing to do. One of the things I talk about a lot is the the difference between the different producing titles, right? And the producer credit is such a big deal, as we know, like, when, especially when you get Best Picture, like only certain producers, like everybody's always like, what does all these producers do? And ask someone who has come up line producing as well. I often thought, oh, I missed the boat, you know, like I haven't developed these relationships with filmmakers. All I do is just line produce. And then I started to realize how valuable that skill set is, right? Because no matter what, that will always be needed. Robots will not be doing that job. It's way too difficult, I think, for robots to deal with the, the, the accounting plus the people of it all. Um, but then, you know, how, how much you could be an asset to other creative producers. Yeah. And then the more I climbed, I started to realize, wow, a lot of people that I put on a pedestal, like don't know the first thing about making a movie. <laughs> this is right, weird. Right. You I know? actually think that the line producer job is quite, is a quite creative job because you, you need to understand the vision of the filmmaker because you're the one that's deciding where you're putting the money. You know, so if you're putting a ton of money in like, you know, something off screen, you know, and not and not um, not say locations. I think that's one of the most important things for a right. budget film. But um, but yeah, I think it's actually a, a very creative job. I, I personally like don't like to do it just, you know, just line producing just for higher um, line producing. Yeah. Yeah. I, and um because I, because, you know, there is a, a good amount of it that is like staring at numbers. Yeah, yeah. I think it's finding that perfect balance. And there are so many, like in the conversation of how many millions of paths exist, there are the people that start line producing and then become a part like a right hand to a producer and become a part of that team. And so they are maybe staring at numbers all day, but it, they, they have then a shorthand with people. Then there's been other producers like Tracy Landon comes to mind who started as a line producer and then was able to become a right hand to a filmmaker. So there's just so many different ways it can unfold. My first project out the gate was like, well, I, I just did everything because I thought that's what producers did. I didn't understand that there was a way where you could compartmentalize the jobs. I just I've always yearned to be close to those conversations and then support wherever I'm meant to support, depending on my role in that particular team. Um, and so 
I say that because sometimes people have that skill and they can think, well, I don't want to just do this one thing. But I think there's a lot, like you said, there's a tremendous value in that. And in terms of sustaining a life financially while you're pursuing your creative projects and developing stuff, which takes God forever, you could actually have a, a, a cush kind of, you know, sort of landing pad for that while you're doing that. I very much did what you described where I was doing branded commercials, anything I could get my hands on for money, but also it, it was really good practice. You know, it was like these little sprints to prepare for the marathon that is features, especially indie features. And I also think the smart thing is for anyone listening who does want to consider that is you then amass the kinds of people that when you get to go make your feature, you want to bring with you on that journey. Cause now you're like, okay, I dealt with this person for three days and they're insufferable. I could never deal with them for three months. And then you sort of get to like shape your team and build that network. So then you've, you've been mostly freelancing for a long time. And then you you went in-house at one point in your career before the population. Is that right? Yeah, I had. Um, so this was after that that line producing job. Um, this company, uh, Game Changer Films, which mm-hmm. is a equity fund at the time, it um, only financed uh, narrative features directed by women. Um, there's a new version of Game Changer. Yeah, Netflix, that effie. Broader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the. Um, Manette was running that. Manette Lulu was running that, who then would become my 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 business partner, and and Derek Wynn, um, who who is now also my business yeah. partner, he was helping her run it, and um, he's also a filmmaker, and so he was going to go to Vietnam to make his first feature that he wrote and was going to be directing, and it was going to be like a about a year um, for of him um, being away, and so they look were looking for somebody to to fill that position temporarily, and so. Um, I got that that job, um, and this that's actually a good example of of finding out about jobs. It was like through other colleagues. So when they at Game Changer, they were looking for somebody to replace him for you know the temporary time, but weren't going to like put out a big ad about it, you know. So yeah. So I think that that's that's you know networking and staying involved with with the people in the business. I think is important because those are the people who are going to get you your jobs. Yeah. So I started that and I, it was a really interesting experience because for the first time I was, I was getting the opportunity to look at a project through the lens of the financier. And in the past, I always choose my, chose my projects by, you know, I love this filmmaker. I'm excited about this, this story and just jump right in, not thinking about like what's commercial, like what will sell. And so I had to think about that then. Um, and, and like, you know, getting a sense of what, what, what the market is like, that, that was something I hadn't paid attention to really. So it was a real wonderful learning experience. Mm. Um, and, and that's also then where I started to work with Manette and, and, and really came to yeah. love working with her, respecting her. And so then when it came time and, and that was like, I did that. And, and at, toward the end of that stint, as was actually when I went and did um, Shop the Rider, which then ended up, you know, I think that that film was the film that sort of like changed things for me. But um, but yeah, working with Manette is, was that was then um, how I knew that she would be a good partner. And I then I asked her to be on board with me to produce the film Swallow. Yeah. Yeah. And Manette, who's been on the show. So if you're listening to this, please go listen to her episode. She's got an incredible journey as well to share. Um, but so just to back up for a minute, when you had that insight into what the sellers, I'm sorry, what the buyers are looking for, how did that shift your perspective as a producer? What were the biggest takeaways? Well, first of all, that um, 
they don't always know because something that can look like the riskiest thing on the page can actually have the highest return. So hmm. there's no real science to it. <laughs> Great. Like the writer, you know, like no one yeah. wanted to put money into that. And then, you know, they should have because <laughs> it actually is like one of the few films that, that, that I have made that made money. Hmm. Um, and so, but I, I recognized that genre was something that people were interested in um, still telling like, like movies with real gravity and, and things to say, but um but that that wrapping it sometimes in in a genre um, can can uh, interest a, a financier. However, you know, I did see like a lot of projects that came to us where it seemed like they were trying, like the project wasn't really meant to be genre, and they were trying to make it genre in mm. order to attract financiers. So you know, it's it's whatever the film wants wants itself to be. But um, but yeah, I think that what I learned was. Uh, well, I, I learned also of like, you know, what is this the right budget for this type of film? You know, this scope of film, like, like how much of an audience do you think it's going to have? Does it need to have a smaller budget? Um, that was something I started to think about. You know, in the past, I was just like trying to make movies for as little as possible because I knew I wasn't going to be able to find the money. But then projects were coming to us where we did have the money to fully finance something. But was it the right budget for that film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a sweet spot in the indie side of things where you want to make it for the right amount that it needs to be made for, but the least amount possible up front because you may not know what you're going to be able to sell it for on the other side. I have one of my projects that I'm, I've been developing and it's been really interesting to have those conversations and have, you know, we want to make it for three, but really the market demands we make it for 1.7, like without really right. making creative concessions. How how do we do that? And, and how do we structure this to set us up for success? Because yes, you want to support the filmmaker and the creative process and the production process. But if you make a movie that you know is not going to sell or make any money back, then do you get another shot at it? You know, especially with female-led projects. Yeah. You ever, um, did, I mean, I guess it was just a year, so you knew you had an outdate, but you weren't like, oh man, how do I do this? And I have all these things on my slate that I still want to do, but I'm now under the mandate maybe of another company and what stories they they think I should tell. It sounds like it was maybe more of a little bit of a masterclass in a year and you weren't just going in-house and forever potentially. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, um, I, I could do, to my own projects on the outside though. So, you know, like I wasn't having to, my projects, I didn't have to choose them. Oh, that's um, good to know. To, to fill their mandate. So like the writer was, was, was outside of, of Game Changer, but I was making movies anyway that would have fit into the mandate of, of Game Changer. What was it about the, the intersection of you, Manette and Derek, that you think formed this really interesting um, team that obviously then when you guys went on to form the population? I think we all have very similar goals as to like the kinds of projects we want to make. So we're doing not just feature films now, but also TV series and podcasts. And we're all, I think, looking for the same type of thing, which is what I said earlier was somebody like uh, a storyteller, filmmakers with with a real point of view, um, something that they something to say and some some urgency to say it, you know, um, maybe a, a, a different kind of way of stylization or how they make movies so I think we all have that similarity um and then we were all you know hard workers so like it's so important you know to find collaborators and partners that that will work as hard as you do you know yeah and and sometimes that's hard um and so yeah I think we just we were aligned creatively um 
and then and then also work wise, we had a similar kind of way of looking at yeah um, how to work. And and how would you say your taste has evolved? I guess since you started to where you are now. Well, now I'm able to articulate <laughs> what I am, what I uh, look for. Um, before I, I was figuring it, figuring out what my taste or my brand, so to speak, was. So, um, so I think it's still kind of a lot in this, in you know, the same types of of projects. But now I can identify, and I can, I can, you know, and that's that's helpful too because when I'm when I'm considering projects, I think about that. I think mm. like, you know, is this really something that, is this really like something I've never seen before? Or is this filmmaker um, really an interesting filmmaker? Or am I just in love with the script? Yeah. And so what is that thing now that you've been able to define it? Is it just those three questions for your taste? Or would you say Molly Asher is the producer who does blank? Um, I think that 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 I'm the kind of producer who takes on bold and sometimes risky projects yeah that, that have something to say in an interesting way and hopefully in a in a way that's uh somewhat commercially viable yeah well yeah where do you think your boldness comes from have you always been this way or was there a part of the process when you that you had to find that inside of yourself well i've always been a very quiet person, uh, shy. Um, when I was younger, very, very shy, spent a lot of time, you know, I I had like close friends, but otherwise I was like, a you know, by myself writing bad poetry. Um, (laughs) and so, but I, I always felt, I think inside, I can remember thinking this in high school that like, like, uh, you guys, I have something that you don't realize it. Like, you're not really seeing actually like, like I can be somebody, <laughs> but it was just all inside. And I was, I think, too scared to let it out. Didn't feel like people really saw me for the potential that I, that I might have. Mm. So it took time to, um, to really believe in myself and like let that part out of me that I always felt that I had inside. Yeah. Which is interesting that then is that what drew you to acting the sort of like permission to get to step into someone else? Right. And you don't have to be the shy version of you. You can be whomever. Is that kind of what? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was definitely part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, is there a specific like um, season of your life then when you felt that shift where you got to lean in a little more into this boldness that was always inside of you where that was awakened and you were like, Oh, this is the thing. This is it. Um, yeah, I remember um, at NYU and I was doing um, Ivana off the Chekhov play and I was playing Anna Petrovna, the, the dying wife. <laughs> yes. And I'll never forget my acting teacher. Um, we, we were doing a performance and he he went and like took my took my arm and walked me to the stage. And I in that moment, I felt like, wow, he really sees something in me like he he was he was treating me like like a like with such respect and um and that's when I felt like okay so I am I am being seen you know yeah um, I think it was slowly things encouraging things like that when other people are able to when you feel seen I think it's interesting that that seems to be an interesting through line in a lot of the projects you seem to be attracted to like giving people an opportunity to be seen 
I, I mean, I haven't, to be perfectly honest, I haven't seen all of your work, but in the few projects I've seen, obviously Nomadland, it, it is, there is a lot of that in, in your work. I think sometimes we're not even aware of it ourselves. It's only when we look back and sort of connect the dots that we can zoom out because we're so deep in like the trenches of doing the thing that we don't have right. that time to be so self-reflective. Um, yeah. I, have, I hadn't thought about that. I'm learning a lot of things from you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm learning a lot of things about myself from you. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. No, I mean, thank you for, you know, being willing to have this conversation. I know it's like not a traditional type of conversation because like I, I'm not really a, a journalist. You know, we're not t- here doing press for, for the film. I, I really am just endlessly curious and fascinated by my fellow producers and who they are, and what kind of crazy person decides to do this thing because it's so hard and I love finding the ways in which we're cut from the same cloth, like no matter where we've come from, like, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's always really fascinating to me. So, um, so talk a little bit about, you know, meeting Chloe and the, the journey you've gone on. So many questions I get to you of up and coming filmmakers is how, how to create that longevity, how to find that person that's going to be your person. And I would venture to say that probably when you met Chloe, you you weren't really thinking that necessarily. But there is the mark of a great producer, someone who the fact that you've been able to work with her three times now clearly speaks volumes to who you are and what you bring to the table. Um, and I think a lot of people are yearning for that kind of partnership, especially in the indie space. I can't speak for you know, the studio world's like completely different monster. But so yeah, so talk a little bit about meeting her. And then the long journey you guys have had, I want to, I want to really emphasize that because people will will look you up and just go, wow, she's Academy nominated for producing this thing. But I really want people to understand that uh, uh, the first film you guys did together was 2007. You know, that is a big investment and commitment into a marriage with someone. Um, to get to this side. So yeah, yeah, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it was a little bit after 2007, because 2007 is when I met her. That's when we started okay. school. And we started out just as friends. Um, we both loved Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, we were the ones that were like, you know, hanging out till the bar closed. <laughs> and we t- together. And so um so, so it started out as a friendship, and and I think that's always a really wonderful way to begin a working relationship because you, um, well, you really care about that person. Uh, you don't want to let them down, and and you also, I, I think a lot of producing is is um, is kind of human. It's like HR, human relations, and <laughs> and that's going to be an automatic thing when you're when you're working with a friend. So. Um, yeah, and then when she, I didn't actually produce any of her shorts in school, but I um, admired how she worked, and I and I admired the work that she was making. Um, and then, you know, when she asked me to do songs my brothers taught me, um, I remember her asking as if like I was going to have to consider it, and <laughs> there was no considering because yeah. I knew that I liked her. I knew I liked her the films she was making, and it was going to be on this in this place on Pine Ridge Reservation, South Dakota that I'd never been before. And I just thought that that was going to be like, uh, you know, once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And that and that process of making that film was so so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you know that process, us figuring out how to make the kind of movie that she wants to make um, and and just going through that together 
um, I think, you know, going through a war together, you really end up like figuring out whether this is somebody that you want to continue working with or not. I mean, she talks, she's talked about, you know, when, when then after that experience of being bonded, while it hasn't been necessarily consecutive years, the next project, it was like, I got to have Molly on, you know, then the third project was like, I can only do this if you're on. And I think that that is what a filmmaker should be looking for is that kind of bond where whenever your next thing comes that lights a fire for you, you already have your person, you know, you don't have to ask. It's like a no brainer, you know, that you're going to find a way to make it happen um, for them. So, um, so I think that's really important. And so now that you guys are on this crazy trajectory with, with, you know, the Academy Awards and everything that's on on the horizon, I mean, I'm sure making that movie, you, you weren't, we all hope to have success and for people to see our work, but I'm sure you guys weren't sitting around being like, gee, wouldn't this be great for us to be Academy nominated one day? But now that you are, (laughs) I mean, what does it feel like? What has it been like for you? In a way, it's been sort of like an out-of-body experience since I'm experiencing it all from my couch, but, um, (laughs) and not like with the people that you film with, you know, I've heard from, you know, they're, they're actually on the producing team. There are, there are five of us and three out of the five, everyone but me and Chloe has actually been nominated for, for an Academy Award. So has experienced this thing. And so they know what we're missing mm. and have spoken a little bit to the, to that and, and how, you know, sad it is that we can't actually enjoy it together. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited that a film like Nomadland is getting this kind of attention because it doesn't fit into a box. And I hope that it um, inspires other filmmakers. Yeah, I can only imagine it will. I mean, I, it's definitely one of the most unique pieces of art I've seen in a long time. And as a producer, it was just like, I cannot wrap my head around how you guys were able to pull this off and how you were able to, I mean, just get these real people to go to some really real places in such an authentic way. It's so admirable how you guys were able to do that. And I mean, there's enough out there on the process of making the film and how you guys were able to get that. But when you look back on the process of making that project for you, what was one of the biggest challenges that you saw and you went, I don't know how we're going to do this. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to find a way. <laughs> there were a ton of locations. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love doing locations, but it was just like a huge number. And so at first it started out that I was, I was the only one doing locations, but then when, once we realized that we brought on another person, but I think that was the biggest challenge because it was so many and, and, and all over, you know, over five States. Um, so, you know, it was, as far as scheduling it, it kind of made sense where we were going to, where we were going to schedule things, but just, you know, each individual location. I mean, there was, there were so many, so that was the biggest challenge. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys obviously pulled it off beautifully. It's, that's the thing. Like when, when you, when you watch a film and it just feels like effortless and easy, that's when I'm like, oh, this, this shit was really hard. I just know it. <laughs> so I just want to commend you. It's such an incredible film. Um, as as we wrap up, I just I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, I've been really transparent with on the show and with the guests that come on and the people that hear me yap about this. And I think it's a really important topic of of self-care and really navigating the ups and downs because it's such a this is not a this is a lifestyle. This is forever for most of us. And we have our reasons for doing it. And it's, you know, 
not for the faint of heart. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of the the lulls that you've gone through in your career and what kept you going, what kept you in the game, kept you motivated, kept you pushing through and showing up. Um, and, and not conversely, how you continue to fill your well to show up and be the best version of yourself who can then give so much to your fellow filmmakers. I agree. It's very important. And I, I teach producing at Rutgers University. And my last lesson um, of the semester is how to keep going. Um, because I want the students to know that they're going into a very difficult pro- um, yeah. you know, profession. Um, but there are some, there are ways to, to make it easier on yourself. And for me, you know, I, I remember this one point where I was, I, I was, you know, developing like, I think three projects at the same time, also like having a hard time finding work. And, and I just remember just getting like, I just, I just couldn't do anything because I was just so overwhelmed with it all. And um, my sister flew in from, she was at the time with my parents in Miami and she flew up to New York and because she could tell that I was just really in need of some kind of something to <laughs> get me back moving. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, and she did, and she, she helped me just kind of like organize things in my mind for some reason, because I was, I think because I was so overwhelmed, I, I wasn't scheduling things for myself in the way that I was could before. Um, but I think it's so important to have people around you, family and friends um, who will listen to you and who will encourage you when you're down. Um, that to me has been like the most important part of, of continuing um, even when it's hard and, um, and other fellow filmmakers. Like I, I think that it's really important to, even when it's tough to, to stay in the, in the, stay in the industry, stay in the networking, go and have coffee with somebody. Um, and not only because they might be the person getting your next job, but also you can, you can share what's, what's, what's troubling you, what's difficult because, and then you'll see that, that it's difficult for everybody and, um, and you can help one another in that way. Um, yeah, I remember actually Rebecca Green, um, we were on a, a, at a lab together as, um, mentors and, and she, she said that she, um, she does photography to like do something that's like outside of, of, um, of filmmaking and um and my my fiance actually recently bought me a, a piano i think that that's something to, to you know as a producer like maybe go and do the thing something else that is not that's not in the in, in the business yeah. to open your mind and your heart up a little bit during those difficult times yeah because we we can live and breathe this because we love it so much and sometimes that air is a little toxic and we just need a breath <laughs> breathe some fresh air you know kind of just get like a Take a deep breath. Um, on that note, what do you love about producing? I love so many things about it, but um, I love the collaboration. I love, you know, making something that seems impossible possible. I yeah. just find it incredibly gratifying to um, to do that. But I think it's really the collaboration. Like, there's nothing like being on set and seeing everybody working toward one vision. Yeah. And and also adding to it, you know, like that every person that's part of a project makes that project different than it would be without that person. Yeah. And I just I love that that aspect. I love it. Well, I thank you so much for sharing this space with me and the listeners. I just want to express tremendous gratitude to you for taking the time out of your your day to to come and chat with me and share a little bit of insight into your journey and your path. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. 
Thanks so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm at Carolina Gropa. You can find the show at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos.